You're listening to Calvary La Habra's podcast. For more information, visit us at calvarylh.com. Thanks for listening. How many of you feel the Lord leading you home? How <laughs> many of you guys know this is not our home? About half of us, yeah. This is not our home. We're pilgrims, sojourners. Uh, we're passing through. We're all going to be in our glorified bodies one day, and we're going to be in heaven. That's, he's leading us there. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for loving us. Man. Loving us enough to take on flesh, live in that flesh as God in flesh. Taking on that flesh so that you would die in that flesh, that you might redeem us, that you'd save us. Thank you for the hope we have because you've done that. You have dealt with the penalty of sin, the power of sin. You've you've freed us from that. You've allowed us to experience the life that you came to give, spiritual life, eternal life, abundant life. The enemy, he, he came to kill and to steal and to destroy, but you came to offer life. And we thank you for that. And Lord, this morning, as we're going to open up uh, your word, we know that many are not here because of a worldwide pandemic, but they're watching online. Uh, we know that many of our, our family, La Habra family here and, and extended family are dealing with this virus. Lord, we pray for healing. We pray for Kevin this morning as He's been in the hospital. Lord, just heal up his lungs. Bring him home. And Lord, many others that have just, uh, you know, really struggled through this last few months. We pray, Lord, that you would you'd bring them hope this morning and help this morning. And as we open up your word, that you would build us up in our walk, in our faith. Build up our love for you, our appreciation for you and Holy Spirit, as we begin this journey of understanding you a bit more this year, going through the book of Acts, welcome. May our relationship with you and our understanding with you grow in ways that will just change who we are as Christians, change who we are for the better as a church. We, we give you glory, Father. All that you're doing and, and desire to do, we give you glory. We give you praise. We know this is your work, whether it's you touching us mentally or physically or financially or spiritually, Lord. It's your work, so we give you the glory ahead of time. We pray all these things in your name, Jesus, because there's power in your name. The name of Jesus that we choose to bow to right now. Amen and amen. Well, why don't you say hi to some people around next to you and then find a seat. So uh, if you weren't here Wednesday night, we had a panel of uh, young men as myself who uh, God has miraculously brought us through COVID. And so we thought it would be good to talk uh, from different perspectives, and just panel, and 
Not so much talk about what COVID was like, but talk about what God, what he did in our lives, what he taught us. So uh, if you're uh, in, in need of any encouragement as it relates to that, hopefully you don't need that encouragement down the road, but um, it's all archived and it's really, I think, insightful uh, for you that might be at home and, and anybody that's dealing with this illness, uh, check out Wednesday night, just a real source uh, of encouragement. Before we start our study, I'm going to ask uh, Andreas to come on up here. Come on up here. Andreas is going into the Army, so let's just welcome Andreas up here. And I know the whole Nordberg family is, is out in the tent area somewhere, so Rob, Selena, the rest of you guys, we love you, and um, praying for you too, Selena, that you heal up. And uh, Lori and Selena, where's Lori? There she is. She trained. They, these girls train. They, they, they do a lot of like really long rides and runs and swims and everything. And, and she has produced a stud. I just want you to know, this guy, I gave him a hug a few minutes ago. I'm like, bro, I'm on your team. <laughs> but Andres, we're proud of you and, and uh, that you would want to come here and even let us pray for you. It yeah. means a lot to the Lord and it means a lot to your family. I know it means a lot to you. It means a lot to us as well. So your, your picture will be on our wall over here. <laughs> But now that you see him, you're going to be in our hearts and our minds, and we're praying for you, okay? Yes, sir. All right. And you got a girlfriend here? I do. Yeah. I, that, was, that was a long shot right there, just so you know. <laughs> Lord, uh, thank you for uh, Andreas and just what you're doing in his life. Uh, we know he loves you. We know that he's your child. Uh, but he's also a son and a grandson and, and a friend to many who love him and care about him. And, and just, we ask that you would have your hand on him. Protect him, of course. Keep him safe uh, from this prayer to the day he will come home, uh, the many times he will come home. Uh, but more importantly, Lord, just that you'd use him. There's so many people that are going to uh, go into the army the same time as, as he does. But he's light. He's salt. Uh, he is a vessel of yours. Uh, he's a soldier of yours, an ambassador of yours, Lord. So use him and even surround him with people that, that know you and, and may his walk grow closer to you through this journey uh, of being in the military, Lord. And um, keep him healthy. Um, keep him just focused on you and just can't wait to see him again. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, brother. Thank God you. bless you, man. Thank you. See you soon. Well, let's turn our Bibles over to Acts chapter 1. I've been waiting to say that for a little while. Can I say it again? Acts chapter 1. Let's all stand. I'm going to let this settle in a little bit. We're going to make it through about five verses, but I want to read a little bit farther. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after he, speaking of Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also... To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering, speaking of the cross, by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. 
and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he had said, you've heard this from me, for John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put into his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You may have a seat. Coming into this year, I was very excited to say, Lord, what is it that you have for us? Where do you want to take us? Part of that is because of the the transformation of this church over the last few months. Knowing that we grew in people tracking with us and, and the online audience growing by just masses amount of people. And to you that are out there right now, welcome, welcome, welcome. To know that, to know that there is a, a hunger in people's hearts as they are in home and or in an office or even in a car and as, as they're sorting through this worldwide pandemic and finding that maybe this is not the season for them to gather in in-person settings, we noted that that is something between them and the Lord. And that was a radical shift in the body life of this church. It was a radical thing to watch almost 70% of our regular attendees and almost 95% of all of our kids shift and, and no longer do church with us on this property. Grievous at times. But at the same time, the Lord would lift our spirits as we would realize, hey, they're still tracking with us. We don't understand all the dynamics behind that. They're still praying for us. They're still supporting. They're still part of this body but just in very unique ways. It took me back to the beginning of the church, the origin of the church, which we're going to be going through, and, and how unique that must have been to just be gathering in different places, all fragmented and broken up. That, they, they started that way. I'm not predicting, by the way, we're going to end that way. I'm just saying there's a similar parallel. At the same time, your heart is... Missing these people. You pray for them. You believe that God is using these platforms that he's allowed us to to grow and to build. At the same time, the Lord began to bring in all kinds of new people. For a shepherd as myself that is relational, I, 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 I don't do this because I love to teach. I do this because I love people. I love to be around them. I love to see them encounter Jesus and have their lives changed by Jesus. So whenever I see new people, I don't care where they come from, I I assume when they're here, I just, uh, maybe it's it's an 
over-optimistic assumption on my part, but I assume every one of you here is like, you're really here for the same reason I am. I just assume that. To, to, to encounter Jesus, to, to, to open up the word, I assume you believe this is the inspired, inerrant, eternal word of God. Now, you might not, but I, I, I teach with that conviction, and I believe that if you wrestle with that, I believe that the Holy Spirit will do what he does with the eternal, inspired, inerrant, eternal word of God and bring you around to, that, to where you understand what that is. And so when I see new people coming by the droves, a lot of them, as I've learned, uh, got to know some of you. you, you're coming from other churches, churches that have closed their doors, churches that... For whatever reasons, things have happened, and, and, and many, many people have moved on and started checking out other churches. And so, as I, I began to get to know many of you and see our church fill up with new people, that excites a guy like me. It just does. It excites my wife. It excites our leadership. Because we're not here for just the people we know. We're here for people we have yet to know. Uh, as much as those that we know. And we believe and we trust, as we sang in that last song, that the Lord our God is leading us home. And if we really believe that, we believe that each leg of the journey, each pit stop of the journey, each place where we would set down some roots, we believe as Christians, the Lord is leading us there. And if God has has led you here, praise him for that and say, all right, there's a reason for that. As I've taught our body over the years, everything the Lord does, he does with a purpose in mind. And if God were to draw you here in this season, I just really want you to think about this. Why? What is it that he has for this group that will be watching online those that will be drawn here to gather in person, what is it that he has? What has he purposed for us as we'll just open his book for, I don't know, 55 minutes. I got a, a clock here now, and it, it will buzz at 55 minutes because I got a lot to say. But what is it that he has for you? And I know that Coming from so many backgrounds and so many different churches, it is so important that we line up our heart, listen, with Jesus, the one that birthed the church, the one that shed his blood and paid for the church, for each and every one of us. I might have an opinion of what the church should be and how the church should birth and how the church should grow and how the church should continue to spread throughout our modern-day Roman Empire. You might have your views, some of those views as to who Jesus is and how he operates, who the, who the Holy Spirit is and how he operates, might have been formed and shaped over the years by a influence that 
you had, maybe it was a relative or maybe it was a Sunday school teacher or a pastor or a junior high or a senior high or a lead pastor, whatever that might be. And I guarantee you as we go through the book of Acts, we are going to have a plethora of views starting out as to what the church should be, as to what the church is. We're going to have a plethora of views that have been formed by our upbringing, by by that which has influenced over the years every one of us. I, for one, have asked the Lord to just free me. Please free me. I have some very strong doctrinal views that are grounded in essential truths. They'll never change. And then, then we have some views on the ecclesia, the church, even the governmental structure of the church and, and, and how the church operates and the philosophy of church. And, and I've asked the Lord, like, look, this is a new world. How many of you guys believe we wake up in a new world right now? Some of you need to wake up. <laughs> it is a completely new world. Whatever you want to call it, good, bad, or different, it is, it is not what it was a year from now. A year, yeah, a year ago. It is changing. And we need a fresh glimpse of Jesus. We need a fresh work of his spirit in our lives in order to be the church that he is he has birthed in order to be what he has birthed and sustained for 2000 years we need to line up with that as i will next week go in depth on pneumatology the study of the holy spirit i will go in depth on the person of the Holy Spirit. I want you to pause right now and I want you just to think through who is the Holy Spirit? Not just theologically, how can I explain him? Here's the four verses. But who is he in my life? Often referred to as it. The third person of the Godhead. As we've had our views of the church formed by different influencing factors over the year, other Christians, other relatives, other church experiences, other philosophical settings, so too there's a plethora of views in this room right now and those listening online as to who the Holy Spirit is what his primary function is, what his office is, what his role is in your life and in the church. And I just asked the Lord, he's given me almost four weeks to just shut my mouth and listen. And I just asked him, would you please free us as, as, as a body that is made up of many different members from many different churches and many different influences, would you please just free us up from any thinking, 
for many ideas, for many concepts. These like preconceived, this is what I believe. The Holy Spirit is this and no more. Would you just please free us up? Start with me from all of that. So you can have a clean slate in my heart. I dare you to go there. I challenge you. I invite you. Just give the Lord that place. Give the Lord that that opportunity to do that work in your heart. A lot of people, I believe, have an intellectual understanding as to the Holy Spirit and who he is. But as it is with any relationship, I'm actually giving you next week's study. I've got to slow down here. But as it is with, I'm just whetting your appetite. As it is with any relationship, it takes two. We're going to learn who he is and what he is desiring and designed to be in your life as a Christian. And then we're going to see how he operates, how he works. Some of you are sitting here and you've never even heard someone talk about the Holy Spirit like this. That's how foreign he is in a relationship. But as we go through this this book of Acts, we're going to see the church. We're going to see these leaders all being radically influenced, directed, empowered by the third person of the Godhead. And we're not going to miss it. You just can't miss it. His role. So, the book of Acts... This amazing book that really gives us the first volume of church history. You and I have a history as a nation. You and I have, uh, I have a history as the family line of the cooks. You have the family line of whatever. You, you've come from another nationality, another nation. You have a history. That nation has a history. There was a, there was a, a beginning point. There was something that was documented, that you could look back and say, this is when America started. This is who the founding fathers were. This is when these events took place. They are dated. They are documented. There was an evolution that you could follow over the history from its inception to this day. And you and I, as we will open up the book of Acts, now we are opening up the book of Acts, we are looking at the first volume of what this thing called the church, the ecclesia, where it all started. The word church, ecclesia, it means called out ones. That's what it means. And we'll refer to that phrase quite a bit through our studies. Those who were living in the Roman Empire, that were caught up in what I like to say all of the isms. Today we have materialism. We have paganism. They had their materialism. They had their paganism. They had asceticism. They had Gnosticism. They had all of their their isms. We have our Calvinism, Armenianism. We have all of the isms in religion like they had their isms in their religion as well. There was Judaism. 
You might even break it down into the main religions of their day. It was Jews and non-Jews. And Jews, Judaism, and non-Jews, paganism. And they all had their different forms of God. Their different deities that they followed. They had the Roman gods. They had the Greek gods. And they had these intellectual movements, the ascetics and the, the Gnostics, the knowers, and the, just the, the, the philosophies of their day. All of these were godless. And the majority of civilization living throughout the Roman Empire, it was godless. And it was godless until God sent his son. <laughs> he took on flesh and he lived in that flesh for three and a half years. He died in that flesh. Three days later, he rose from the, the grave in that flesh, and then he walked on the earth for 40 years, showing that he is God. And now, people have this opportunity to put their faith in the one true living God, who when he was on this earth, claimed to be God over and over and over again. And he did things that only God can do. John's gospel, all of the gospels, Luke writes the book of Acts. We'll get into that in a minute. But he also wrote a gospel. And all of the gospels are just focusing on Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All of them. And all of them are just, they're, they're kind of, they're giving a, a different perspective. Matthew, he's, he bridges the Old Testament to the New Testament. That's what he does. He's just, in order that it might be fulfilled. He says over and over and over. And he's just bridging all of these prophecies, all of these things about the Messiah that are said in the Old Testament, he's bridging them to who Jesus is as king in the New Testament. That's what he does. Then you go into Mark. And Mark had this, like, real burden for the Gentiles. He just did. It's just the whole letter of Mark, Reader Digest, short versions of things that Jesus did, it was written in a style that Gentiles could grasp. Like, like God was like, every part of the culture I'm going to reach. I'm going to reach him now. And the, 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 the Jews, they were all about a Messiah, all about a king. So Matthew, boom, check out Jesus. Non-Jews. In the, Jewish, in, in the, in the, in the Gentile co culture, the non-Jews, they really esteemed servitude. They just did. They thought that was, there was a quality to that. So as Matthew presents Jesus as a king, Mark presents him as a servant. Jesus would even say that the Son of Man in Mark's gospel came not to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Then you move into John. And John just goes through these, these well, Luke. Luke first. Luke, the writer of Acts, a doctor. And he really gets into the fine details of Jesus' life from his birth, even the, the finest of details regarding his birth, all the way through to the finest of details about, about his death and, and, and how he died. Real detailed stuff all the way to the resurrection. And, and he does so because he's a doctor and just the details of a doctor. And he's presenting the humanity of Christ. When Jesus was on this earth. He was fully God and fully man. And then you get into John, and he, he presents the deity. He gives eight, some people say nine, but eight specific miracles. Just work that Jesus did that only God can do. Then he closes off the letter saying, now, now Jesus did many other things that all the volumes 
in every library in the earth couldn't contain, but these things were written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he's the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing in him you would find life, which is the word bios in the Greek, and it's spiritual or eternal life in his name. All right? So now you've moved through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You've moved through three and a half, well, 33 and a half years beginning at the birth of Jesus. We have Matthew and Luke that deal with that. And then, then really just a couple of, you know, accounts of his being a younger man. And then, you know, like a teenage age, 12-year-old, 13-year-old. And then it moves right into his ministry years. And it's believed that Jesus died at about 33 and a half years of age, and he ministered for about three years. That's the Gospels. It's presenting Jesus, who he is. Now, Luke starts off here, and, and, and he's like, the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all of that Jesus began to, to, to do and, and teach until the day he was like taken up. And then he's going to just take the storyline. It's almost like we just... Just, I've been telling you all about Jesus and who he is and, 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 and all these details. And now, man, from, from his resurrection forward, check out what happened. And as he begins to pin this down, this book of Acts, it's, it's all about the church, the, birth of the, the birthing of the church. How did that start? What was it that who were the key players? And, and so the, 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 it records, the book of Acts records the, the, the conception of the church, and it covers, for you note-takers, four decades. Just shy of four decades, about 39 years. That's all. 39 years. It's just like, imagine if we just had, you know, a few pages on the first 40 years of our history. And we're like, let's just dig in. Well, I'm teaching, so it's going to be for about a year. But let's just dig in for a year and study the first 40 years of American history. You know, at about week four, most of you would not come back. But I guarantee you, as we look at the history of the church, at week four, some of you are going to even be bringing your friends. Because this is the most unique historical account we can read. Jesus, he, he continued to do what he did in his physical body. He continued doing through his spiritual body, which is the church. And it's recorded in the book of Acts. Acts is a significant book for several reasons. Without it, of course, we wouldn't understand how God birthed and expanded the church. From Acts, we learn principles on how God calls people. Once he calls them, how he uses them, how they disciple others. We learn how God evangelizes the world. We learn about men and women that, 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 that God will raise up and use in unique ways that no mother, grandmother, no relative would have ever suspected. But God grabbed them. They were saved. 
Their lives are radically transformed. And then he used them in ways that they never would have expected. And so it's my conviction and my hope that as we go through some of these accounts, it's not just a historical account, but it's an example of what he wants to do in our lives today. Without Acts, we would never understand how Peter got involved in ministry. We would never understand how he was first used. We, we, we look at who Peter was as a disciple and, 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 and how impulsive he was and how he always spoke out of turn. He was always putting a foot in his mouth and, and, and just all of that through the Gospels. We learn about Peter in the Gospels as a denier. He denied Jesus. We learn about Peter towards the, man, as, as it got to the cross, he followed Jesus. But he just like would not be associated with him. The three times that people were like, you're one of his followers. Like, not me. And then we learn about Peter after the resurrection. Jesus would find him, have an afternoon with him on that resurrection Sunday. We would learn in John chapter, latter part of John, where where. Jesus would have a a conversation with him, take him away from the disciples. We know that, Peter. Peter, do you love me? Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. Tend my lambs. We know that, Peter. But we would not know the Peter who would become one of the pillars in the church. We wouldn't know how that happened if we didn't have the books, the book of Acts. Without the book of Acts, we wouldn't understand how Paul got involved in ministry. We wouldn't, have, we wouldn't know how he got converted. We wouldn't know how, how he transformed from a Pharisee of Pharisees to one of the leading pillars in the church. Think of how confused we would be opening up the book of, of Romans or Colossians or Philippians or, 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 or any, any of the, the, the writings of Paul without knowing who that guy is and where he came from and and how God transformed his lives. The book of Acts bridges the gap. It traces the lives of men and women just like you and I who who took God and what God was doing in their day and time seriously. It brings incredible value to the epistles It enriches our our comprehension of them. And the book of Acts is full of doctrinal truths as well. Over and over it supports Jesus, you know, his teachings. Over and over it it supports the, the study of soteriology. Salvation is through him alone. Acts boldly portrays Jesus as our only Savior. It presents him as Israel's long-awaited Messiah. We're going to get to the Holy Spirit, but just to whet your appetite a little bit more, over and over, Acts describes how the Spirit of God empowered, administered, and controlled the expansion of the church. Many have said that the book of Acts could well be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. Holy Spirit is mentioned over 50 times in the book of Acts. 
Acts 2.38, Peter tells the Jews to repent, believe, and be baptized in order to receive the Holy Spirit. Acts 8.14 and 15, Peter prays for the Samaritans to receive the Spirit, lays hands on them, and they receive the gift of the Spirit. Acts 10.44, Peter was was giving the, the gospel to the Gentiles there, and while Peter was speaking, this is 10 years after the church was birthed, finally there's something that's going to happen with the Gentiles. As Peter was speaking there in the house of Cornelius, the Holy Spirit fell on them, and, and, and those that heard that and saw that the Jews that were with him completely tripped out on that. These Gentiles began to speak with tongues and magnify God, and, and they were baptized with water there because they had given evidence of conversion. <coughs> and that's a pattern. That's a pattern. We'll get to Acts chapter 10 eventually, but in verse 44, when all of that happens, that's a pattern. They hear the word of God from Peter, they believe, they receive the Spirit, and they're baptized as an evidence to their faith. That was a pattern that began right there and continued through the book of Acts. And that work of the Holy Spirit, the way he works, is still the pattern today. We hear the word. We believe. We receive the Spirit. And then we're baptized in water as evidence of our faith. And so the book of Acts is going to show us how the Holy Spirit regenerates and baptizes and, and, and fills and sanctifies the believers. In Acts 13, the Holy Spirit is seen choosing missionaries and then directing their operations. There in the church in Antioch, the, the, the missionary church, the sending church, it says that there were certain prophets and, and teachers and names a bunch of them. And, and then he, he says, as they were there in the church, they ministered to the Lord and fasted. I love that. I can't wait to get there. What's that? The focus of ministering to the Lord. And they, they were fasting. And it says, listen to this. The Holy Spirit said, hmm, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. And having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. This week, talking up the Holy Spirit here, this week I had a, a fog lift. You know, I'd been under the, the COVID fog. and I don't know if you've ever been jet lagged, but it's like jet lag on steroids. And the fog lifted one day. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And in the next three days, I would get three calls each day, out of the blue, from young men. I haven't talked to any of these guys in quite a long time, I would say. Most of them months, one, even a couple of years. Each one of the calls were identical. God was stirring their heart. They felt called to go into ministry. They live in different states. And the first guy called, and I was like just listening, and I was like, man, I can, I can track with what he's saying. This is great. And I was praying as he was talking, and the Lord gave me some words for it. I just, just impressed on my heart some things to say. And, and all I did with this young man is I said, listen, I want to be careful 
I don't want you to follow my 33 years of experience and the advice that Lance Cook with those 33 and a half years of experience would have to say. I've got a lot to say. But you need to understand if you're going to go down this road, you need to hear from the Holy Spirit. The next day, another guy. I'm like, what are these guys talking to each other? Same questions. Same conversation. By the third day, I was like, someone's setting all of this up. And as the fog began to lift a little bit more, I realized that my time where I wasn't able to comprehend and study and prep and and, and do everything that I do for four weeks almost, I realized as I let this marinate in my heart, And through each day, less distractions and just just talking to the Lord and talking to the Holy Spirit. I began to realize this, this is who has brought me along. This is the one, not just through COVID. This is the one who has, has led me to my wife. This is the one who has led me into ministry. This is the one, as I go through 1 Corinthians 12, the one who has is, is empowering me. This is the one who's, who's, who's been leading me. And so when these guys began to talk and go, hey, I'm about to step on the same path that you did 33 years ago, I had that to say. That was what I was overwhelmingly, wave after wave after wave, being convinced over the last few weeks. Your life is a work of the Spirit, Lance. It's not, it's not don't, it, that's what it is. The Holy Spirit there in Antioch said, this is who I want. And this is what I want them to do. And I would go as far as to say, that's the role he wants in all of our lives. He wants to be that close. Listen, your wife could come up to me and say, Lance, you're doing this and you're doing that, you're doing that. And I'm going to look over at you, the husband, and go, I ain't listening to her. But this woman that I've lived 33 and a half years with, Lori Cook, I know her intimately, emotionally, spiritually, financially, mentally. (laughs) When she says something, I hear her. I have a, a different intimate relationship to where when she speaks, it touches my soul. And that's who the Holy Spirit wants to be in our lives. In Acts 15, the Holy Spirit presides at the first church council. The church will birth, and they're going to, you know, like everything, they've got to organize the thing, you know. And, 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 and a lot of the prominent Pillars in the church are going to, they're going to, they're going to speak. And the, the topic was this. This is what the topic was. Hey, who can be saved? And, and, and the, the Jews, they were already in. They, they, since Pentecost, they were already in. The, the, the first Gentile to get saved after the birth of the church didn't get saved for 10 years. When we take our trips to Israel, the first place I go to, because... 
about 99.5% of us are all Gentiles on our tours. The only person that's a Jew is our guide and our bus drivers. And so we go to the city of Caesarea by the sea. And we go to this giant amphitheater that Peter himself, or excuse me, Paul himself would have stood in. It's a beautiful place overlooking the Mediterranean. And, and, and there, there was this first Gentile conversion, Cornelius and his household. And, 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 and it's, 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 it's one, of those, one of those settings where you're like, man, it took 10 years for Peter himself to process, process all of the religiosity raised in a way where if I even brushed up against a non-Jew, I was defiled. That's what Judaism instilled in them. You'd go home, wash your clothes, take a bath. Ten years after seeing Jesus raised from the dead, ten years after the Holy Spirit empowered him, it took ten years to take away all that religiosity and all that, that, that formal junk. And it was after that point that all of these Jews that were the prominent pillars in the early church would get together and they basically would vote, can Gentiles really be saved? Think about that. How much needs to change in you today? How much needs to change in me today? I'm just going to tell you a lot. That's why when we started this study, I just want to be open and transparent and say, please, Give the Lord a clean slate. Here's my heart. They basically, as they were there, they all agreed that Gentiles could be saved. That's a good thing. You know, they agreed on, on that. Yeah, yeah, yes. Let's vote. And, they, they, you know, they got to abstain from fornication and eating this, you know, blood, meat, blood, and all that. All of that stuff's cool, but... It says there in Acts 15, 28, for it seemed good once they convened and they met and they concluded, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. And then they gave them their conclusion to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. So the Holy Spirit had a very significant role to play in the birthing and the development and the directing of the church. Over and over, we're going to see the Holy Spirit directing and controlling all of the operations of the church. And the question is, how many churches today could have that said about them? How many are committee-led? How many are board-led? How many are congregationally-led? The early church leaders had lives that were marked by God's power, evidencing many different ways in their life that, that he was at work in their life. In Acts 3, 6, Peter and John, we're going to see they're going to cross paths with a lame man, and Peter's going to go, look, you're begging for alms. You're begging for money. We ain't got any. Your silver and gold 
No, we didn't have it. But what we do have, what we do have, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And homeboy got up. He got up. And he started walking and leaping and praising God. That, that's, that's what they, they had. You know, uh, years ago, I remember when I first was part of, in the Bible study, grew into church thing, and we were part of the, you know, Calvary Chapel now, and I was invited to go to these, these conferences that Ch- Pastor Chuck, if you're not familiar, he's the founder of Calvary Chapels, and, and, and I just remember him, you know, there's probably 2,000 guys in this room, and, and uh, I remember him saying, I don't know what year it was, but we were pretty much developed as a movement now. And he's like, he's like, today's church cannot say silver and gold, I don't have any. They, they, they can't say that. God's blessed us. We're rich materially. But then he would say, but sadly, many are bankrupt spiritually. So we don't hear too much of what I do have, rise up and walk. Next week, we're going to talk about the role of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit was never to be someone that would create the sensational. His role is to to bring glory to himself, to bring glory to God. And so when we begin even to talk about the Holy Spirit, some of your doctrinal posturing are going to be, oh, that was so for the early church. Some of your doctrinal posturing is going to be maybe to another extreme where if it's not like some radical sensational thing where you know, someone's like not hysterically you know, moved, then it's not a work of the Holy Spirit because that's what you've been exposed to. That's what you've been trained by. Some movements, they, they, they highlight certain gifts of the Holy Spirit and they sensationalize those things. And they, they tell the church that, that, that this is what you have to be doing as if they are somehow controlling the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to find balance as we, we go through and we read the account that, by the way, he wrote through Luke about his work in the church. Years ago, I heard it said that if the Holy Spirit left the church completely, many churches would not even feel the effect for about 30 years. Programs would just keep right on going. But that's not the case in bodies like the early church where the Holy Spirit is present. One writer, David Thomas, says, before his ascension, he lived in one human body, that which was born in Bethlehem and expired on the cross. After his ascension, he lived in many human bodies who are conscious of his presence and a display of his power. The writer is Luke. 
He writes around A.D. 60. The theme is first century missions. Luke, of course, was the author of the third gospel as we talked about, the gospel of Luke. He's a physician. He's a good friend of Paul, whom Luke will join up with in Acts chapter 16 at the city of Troas. And the language will change from they all the way Chapters 1 through 15, Luke is like, they, 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 they. Get to chapter 16, we. Acts is given in three parts. The witness in Jerusalem, chapter 1 through chapter 8. Here we'll see the power of the church and the progress of the church. Number two, the witness in Judea and Samaria, chapters 8, verse 5 through chapters 12. There we're going to see the conversion of Saul. We we begin to see Gentiles being converted and filled with the Holy Spirit. The persecution of the church will begin there by Herod as well. Then thirdly, lastly, the witness of the church to the end of the earth. Chapter 12, verse 26 to the close. The missionary journey begins. With that brief introduction, let's stand, because we're done. Did that whet your appetite a little bit? Okay. That clock says I have less time. That clock says I have more time. Let's see. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your work in our heart this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your work in our heart this morning. I pray, Lord, for any here, first of all, who don't don't know you, they've not invited you to be their Savior. They've not come to you, Jesus, on your terms. And we extend that invitation to any of you who are online or here and you've never accepted Jesus into your life and you'd like to. I want to lead a very simple prayer right now. And just say these words to him. And and it's not just the reciting of a prayer. It's your heart. He's looking at your heart. Do you want him? Do you, you want forgiveness? Do you want to go to heaven? Do you want your sin forgiven? If you're caught up in a vice, would you you want him to set you free from that? Do you want him to make you a new creation? 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, if anyone is in Christ, you know, we become a new creation. Old things, they've gone away. And and new things, that's what we are. We're new. And if that's you and you want that, I want you to tell Jesus that right now. Say, Jesus, I... I want to be new. I want to be saved. I want to be forgiven. I want to be set free right now. So I come to you, Jesus, who's God, the one who died on the cross for me, was buried, and three days later rose from the dead. I come to you, the one who has always been and is and forever will be 
and I ask you to save me. Come into my life. Just tell him this. Forgive me of my sin. And fill me with your spirit. And if you've prayed that and you meant that, I want you to thank him. And receive his gift of salvation. For us that are saved here, all of our preconceived ideas, Father, would you be so bold to pray with me this right now, church? All of our preconceived ideas, Lord, from Sunday school forward, I give you, Lord. Just take it. If it's anything that leaves us short of who you are, Jesus, who you are, Holy Spirit, who you are, Father, please take it from us. Please. Free us up right now. Free us up to receive from you all that we need. Everything that you desire for our lives to enrich our relationship with Jesus. To further grow our faith. And to further use us as the church, as the body of Christ, to advance the cause of Christ in this our day. Do it right now. Paul says in Ephesians to be being filled with the Spirit. Would you just take 30 seconds right now and in your way just ask Jesus to fill you with His Spirit. Just invite the Holy Spirit to empower you right now. To come upon you. To do something fresh in you, in your marriage, your family, in your ministry, in your calling of life, whatever that might be. Fill us, Lord. Free us and fill us. And lastly, would you pray with me on behalf of this church that is pulled apart by a worldwide pandemic, a church that is drawn, you have drawn together from so many paths of life, so many different churches. We pray that same prayer, Lord. Free us and fill us and unite us in your fresh purpose. Please, Father. In your fresh purpose for this season. For it's in your name, Jesus, we started studying your word this morning. And it's in your name that we will conclude and we will ask your blessing upon what we've heard. Amen. amen. And amen.